0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another exciting edition of the Council's Pantheon. As always, I am your host, Danielle. And as always, I'm joined by my teammate and podcast partner, Elliot. Um, We've just been immersed in the Euros for a couple weeks already. And we are currently in the knockout stages. And man, have we seen many exciting... So, the first match we have is... Denmark winning 4-0 against Wales.
1: Yeah, so this this was this was an awesome game. I thought, you know, I think everybody kind of felt that Denmark was going to win because it was it just seemed like it was ridden. Wales is is, you know, they're not a bad they're a good team, but they're not a team that that you know, you felt like was was so empowering. With Denmark, it, it felt like this was a game that they're gonna win regardless. but having a, a favorable opponent with Wales coming into this, um, I think most people thought that that Denmark were gonna find a way to get through um, uh, you know and with, with, with what had happened with Ericsson, um, it just you know Denmark are, are operating out of emotion. Um, and they're a good team. I mean, before this hall started, they were going to be a dark horse. I think most people thought that, they, that there was a possibility that it could be a dark horse, but that, that equation involved Erickson, but even without him, they have a lot of really good players. I mean, Kasper Schmeichel with, with Leicester city, you have Uh, uh Polson um, from Leipzig. You have Darmus Gart um, from Sampdoria that we know in Syria. Um, They have a lot of different, really good players in that team. And there's a lot, of, there's a lot of quality there. So, um, they're always one of these teams that was going to be a dark horse type of situation for them. Um, you know, and the Wales played well for the first maybe 15, 20 minutes. And then it just kind of all came um, crashing down um, with, uh, you know, Polson was out. Dolberg has to come in make first start of the, of the tournament um, coming off. Probably the one of the worst years that a person could have in 2020 uh COVID twice uh, got got appendicitis. Had a eighty-five thousand dollar watch stolen from him uh, by a teammate. Um, so I mean, if you talk about the dog shit shit of years, uh, Dolberg had that. It didn't have a really good season in 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 the French league. Um, but but you know, it, it just like when it just it just was written. and you know, Dolberg made a name for himself. Where? at ix where were they playing amsterdam stadium so it was just like it, back in his old stadium really really amazing first goal uh, uh strike from outside the box i was damn involved in and in creating that as well but beautiful strike and then obviously a mistake uh right after halftime i believe he scores another one and then it was just denmark just kind of piling it on and then they score those two goals late um with a, you know, a couple of goals at the end to make it four 0 which is, it was hugely embarrassing as far as scoreline. Um, and, and I, they deserved every, every in, into that game. And, you know, they're in a very favorable place as, as far as like going forward in this tournament. And they're, they're kind of even remotely similar to the Denmark team of a uh, 92 that ended up winning the tournament and you kind of have similar vibes there. Um, but it was a really, really controlled and dominated performance. Um, that you know they they have to feel good about where they are right now, and they're they're in a very confident move, especially going into a quarterfinal that will be will be tough again. But after battling through what they have already, having to win that last game against Russia by multiple goals, and and sort of doing what they did, and then getting to the round of sixteen, beating Wales, um, they they got that fight in them, and and it was a really good performance.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I mean Denmark. I actually had them as one of the dark horses, ironically enough, um, just based on the fact that this team is one of those teams that shows heart and determination and will not go down easily. And they're continuing to prove that in this match. Um, obviously Wales on the flip side of things, they were struggling, um, after like the 20 minute mark and the wheels on the bus came falling off. Um, I mean, what was the, like, main thing that you think kind of, like, set Wales off track?
1: Well, they get that – Denmark get that first um, great goal. And then on the second goal, there was a – there was a foul in the lead-up, build-up of the play. And I think it just agitated Wales that they, you know, they had a goal potentially that was given to Denmark that should not have been. Um, And I think they just started playing angry and they – it just messed with their head and they were trying to fight off the the demons that, you know, Denmark were kind of pushing forward and so on and so forth. And I, I think Wales just, um, you know, I don't know if they should have lost by the deficit that they did, but they, I think they just became frustrated. And then Denmark was, was riding high, coming forward in that second half, really pushing it up whale well on the back and coming off that mistake. I just think it was it was after they had scored, I don't know, the first goal, they could have got back into it. But after the after they scored the second, I don't think there's anything that could have been done to recover from that.
0: Yeah, I mean, once a team kind of like – there are certain teams, like if they get behind and they start getting like aggressive, playing angrily and sloppy, you know it's only a matter of time for the other team that is already in the lead to kind of like start – Overall, it was a really well... There's really not a lot of key takeaways except Wales, after like 20 minutes, were terrible. And Denmark, just based on riding that high, it, it's, there's really not much to take away from this match except that Denmark move on. Real quick, um, I- we have the Netherlands um, losing 2-0 against the Czech Republic.
1: Well, I think, I think the Netherlands are one of those, those, those teams that uh, from a talent standpoint, um, from an ability standpoint, are, are, you know, one of the teams that I think people thought at least had the possibility of going deep in the competition and potentially being that, you know, that big star or that big team that comes into this. And on the right side, every team on that side can, can end up in the final. And I'm talking about everyone. I mean, there's a there's a scenario where you, the Ukraine is in the final because that that side of the bracket is very winnable, um, and because of that, um, you know, it, it just puts a lot of importance on that. So all you know, in the Netherlands mind mentality wise, they just have to get through the the game against the Czech Republic, and then they they have a puncher's chance to get into the final. Um, so talent wise, they're 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 incredible. They have a lot of really good players, um, but the coach I, I've I've said I. I is the coach going to ultimately set them back? And um, I think quite possibly that that you know uh, that occurred in that game. And and uh, the Netherlands were horrible. Um, they had one really good chance on a one-on-one that they missed. Um, but the Netherlands had different points where they looked really good. Um, and then they come into the to the second half, and check Czech, Czech is re- the, the Czech Republic team is just really pushing and pushing and pushing. And it seems like they're on the verge of, of, you know, accomplishing something here and trying to, to put them in an uncomfortable situation. Um, Cause the, the checks are really pushing. Um, then DeLitt gets sent off. Then the Czech Republic score. And then they score again with Patrick Schick, who, I don't know, this might be going too far. I think he's been the best player in the tournament so far. That's his fourth goal. And, you know, scoring that, uh, you know, one of the best goals I've ever seen in the game against Scotland, Uh, getting through the group and now getting to the stage and being able to deliver for Czech Republic is amazing. They're in in a quarterfinal now that they could, they can beat Denmark and ultimately get to a semifinal. And again, on this side of the bracket, anything can happen as far as trying to get to get across that point and trying to sort of get to that place where they could do something special. And the, the Czech Republic were excellent. Denmark were, or not Denmark. Um, uh, the, the Netherlands were, while really talented, could not close the deal, and uh, they have some decisions to make before this. Um, they hadn't been in a tournament in eight years. This was going to be their return of of sort of significance. And uh, even though they they did win the group, it was the worst group in the in the competition. And then you go into this game, and and um, the Czech Republic just found a way. You know, I think the red card did influence what could have happened going forward. But the Czech Republic were the best team in this game from start to finish.
0: Yeah, definitely. Once uh, the red card, the red card kind of solidified that. Based on Delip being one, of, we've seen him in Syria. We've seen what how he's able to perform um but once you take a prolific defender off it kind of like opens up that gap in the defense which allowed the Czech Republic to f- find those tight spaces even better right. and so they and so they were able to capitalize twice on some of those errors so it just shows that right on that one side of the bracket that it is clearly wide open on who could end up in this final and I'm excited to kind of see how the matchup between Czech Republic and um, Denmark will go if they do end up getting put together, which is more than likely.
1: They, no, they are put together already. Um, yeah,
0: so it's going to be. Yeah, go ahead. I mean, this is going to be one of those good matches to watch. So I'm excited to see what happens in that one. And what we-
1: from if, just real quick, I think I, I think we need to spend more time on this. Um, from from. From the Netherlands side of things, um, we know how talented they are. What do you think? They, where, where do they think they go from? They go from here because they have to spend. You know, the World Cup is a year away now. They have. To, they're going to be right back into the fold. What do they do? What are they, What should the, the 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 you know the idea go for for the Netherlands trying to avoid um, this happen because they proved to be frauds based on how they got knocked out. Um, what do you think the Netherlands need to do, uh, to avoid this going forward?
0: Well, one of the things that I could think of off the top of my head is just like with everything work on. And so, I mean, maybe working on just like playing more calmly and not playing as aggressively where it could end up causing issues such as getting red carded and stuff like that. Um, and just play with more poison finesse. I mean, Netherlands, as you just said, proved to be frauds in the way they got eliminated. Um, but, I mean, that's the only real thing is just work on, like, how they play and not play too aggressive to the point where it could cause issues going forward.
1: First first, your first year at Interfane, uh, he was the coach and he was horrible, remember? Then he went to Crystal Palace and in four games, he lost all four games. Um, Then he got sacked, and then he went to Atlanta United in the MLS and didn't do very well. And they gave him one of the most, you know, uh, desirable coaching jobs in world football. Um, On the Czech Republic side of things, because you had them in (laughs) last. Don't mean to bring it up. Um, I had them in third, but I didn't have them qualifying. Um, First of all, how surprised are you of the – of this Czech Republic side. And as far as just seeing them, um, what's been the most impressive thing about the way they've been playing?
0: I'm very impressed based on, for your first question. I, like I said, I didn't even have the, I had them all the way in fourth place, but they're just coming out here and showing that they aren't a team to be taken lightly. One thing that's kind of like impressed me About this team is that they are really good at both balancing the attack and the defensive side of things where we've seen certain teams be more attack minded or defensive minded this team is an equal balance of both and it really showed in this match they were able to keep Netherlands goalless but along with that they were able to find the back of the net and create a a bunch of different opportunities throughout the uh, matchup so this team shows that they're like the the yin and yang, and they balance each other out. So, I mean, just overall, seeing how they are able to balance both the attack and defense has really helped them so far.
1: On a on a personal um, individual standpoint, um, Patrick Schick has been one of the standout performer performers of this tournament. As far I know, we know we didn't see the best of him from Roma, but he was a, he was he was much he was very young at the time. Um, we saw him in the Bundesliga this season. I thought he had a good, very productive, but hasn't really, uh, you know, so kind of tapped into what we know he's capable of just from, just from, from a mutual point of view, looking at this as a, as a watcher of this tournament, um, what, 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 as far as what you've seen from Patrick Schick, what's, what's been, um, the most, uh, I guess, special thing about, uh, what, what, the way he's playing right now for you?
0: I just think it's more so the way that he's able to, like, read the game better now. Because, obviously, he was young when he was at Roma. And, I mean, even though he's improved in Germany, he hasn't been really there yet. But I think this is just a starting point for him. Like, he's starting to finally get into the rhythm of what he needs to do and knows what he needs to do and when he needs to do it. So, I think he, I think it was just the reason why he struggled so much at Roma and finally has just started to show some life is that he just needed to find who he was as a player and like really learn the role that was expected of him. And I think that's kind of starting to show like in this tournament.
1: could you could you see him um, platforming from a, you know I, I, you know there's a lot of people who can say he's uh, certainly in the conversation for the Golden Ball as far as the best player in the tournament um, could you see him platforming off this going into Bayer Leverkusen next season and becoming a 15 20 goal scorer in the Bundesliga or do you think it's going to take a little lo- longer what, what do you see what do you see it happening from him coming off of this
0: i mean like i said this is just the start for him i mean it is possible that he could finally get once he finally since he's starting to get that rhythm I think he could go back into Bayou Cusin and really show what he's capable of since he's finally figured out what he needs to do and he's starting to perform at that level that we can are finally seeing from him. So I think it is possible he can score 20 goals next season.
1: Yeah, the one thing I really like about and first of all... Um... How how good was that goal against Scotland? I mean, the the first one was fantastic, but the one from midfield.
0: It was very well executed. That strike from the middle of the field was top-notch. And so I'm like, wow, this is Patrick Schick? The (laughs) Patrick Schick that was at Roma? No, you're kidding me. So I'm like, what? Where did this guy come from? So it's nice to finally see him improving not just on the um, club level, but on the international level as well.
1: Yeah. um you know he's he's been a touted down for the checkers club for a long time. Even in that first Scotland game, the the header was fantastic and that's that's been, that, to be honest, that's one of the best goals of this tournament as well. And then he has that strike from from I mean to have the audacity to even try something like that. And the, the most interesting part about when he scored that is they t- he talked about in his post-game interview about that he saw that the goal cable was, was was playing off his line, and he was going to – he, he planned on taking advantage of it if an opportunity came. So he didn't expect to do that, but he was calculating an opportunity where he would have a chance to do something special. And um, But as far as the check – and then I think uh, Chick is going to – he's going to turn out to be a really, really good player. It didn't work at Roma, but that's perfectly fine. There's a lot of all-timers, uh, you know, that didn't work in certain places. Um, but the thing I like about this Czech Republic team is, yeah, Chick is having a, a star – he's playing a starring role in the tournament so far, but it's he, not led by a superstar. It's just a great collection of supporting cast. And a guy who's who's kind of becoming that leader for him. The game against Croatia, he's got a bloody nose and and is stepping up in, to score a penalty. He's got four goals in this competition already um, and really turning out to be that that player for them. But I think this Czech Republic team is mm-hmm. is definitely good enough to win the Euros. I'm not saying that's going to happen for them, but as far as capabilities, considering what we've seen from them so far, um, they look fantastic.
0: Yeah, definitely. So, and speaking of the Czech Republic.
1: But from Denmark's point of view, what do you see? What's what's their niche in this game? How do they, how do they take advantage of a team that's played so well together from the start of the tournament? For, for you, what's the Denmark's sort of approach in, in this sort of situation? And remember, Yusuf Paulson will be back um, for the next game.
0: Right. So, for Denmark, they're just going to have, like we've seen, their attack is top-notch. They In this match, it'll be pivotal that they keep up that like attacking mindset and really find those tight spaces when possible, unless the goal is obviously wide open, which we've seen in some of the goals that have been shown recently. But, I mean, it, just keeping up with that momentum on the attack along with maintaining their defensive hold on that side of the spectrum just making sure that they're working, the, the defense and the attack both work in tandem with one another so that way the, everything works cohesively and they're able to like, attack the goal but also keep the ball as, much, as far away from the Czech Republic as possible and really not allow them to get any breathing room because some of the – and also Denmark needs to continue what they normally do best, controlling – the ball in the opposition's half and really just can keep it there and just attack the goal as frequently as possible. Um, I mean Dolberg and Casper is going to be a, a one of those stars to keep an you, eye out on in this. Do you think? Do you, okay, so so theoretical here
1: with Paulson coming back, do you think he starts again or do you think um, they they go back to what they like? How would you do it? Would you play? With Paulson or Dolberg, because well, I think one of them is probably going to be a sub, um, because not those are two, you know, just they're just two strikers. You can't really play them um, behind one another. So would you would you give it to Dolberg the, with the hot hand, or but but remember, Paulson had had scored has was the, the Denmark's leading scorer before the before the game against Wales. So between those two what do you feel is the best course of action going into a, a, game, a game against a tough, um, strong uh, text
0: side? I think I would play Poulsen in the role of striker just because Dolberg has just recently played in this match and obviously he'll need a little bit more rest going if they continue to make that push so that way they can keep the fresh legs. So Polson would definitely be the better option since he's fresh and he's coming back. So I think I would play him in the striker position and use Dolberg as a sub. But um, overall, that's pretty much the case for um, Denmark.
1: Question real quick. How much do you think emotional energy is going to be important to... Denmark continuing to to play well. Do you-
0: I mean, I think it's still going to be a part of it, but not as the to the extent that we've seen. But it will still be there because obviously we we all know who they're playing for and stuff, and that's never going to leave their minds. So, uh, but the main part is for them now. We'll probably be just focusing on each match as it comes, and just figuring out where the Czech Republic Czech Republic's weaknesses are. And learn and exploit them to the best of their abilities. All right.
1: Uh, one. One last. Actually, I'm going to save that. So for me, look, I think Denmark's it's an amazing story, and I think there's a possibility that they could win the Euros. And I'm not joking about that because it's very, very similar to '92. No one thought they had a chance. Um, wh- th- but th- a lot of some people thought they were going to be a dark horse. But I don't think a lot of people thought they were going to be putting themselves in position to make a semifinal. Um, and, and I think we should just appreciate the fact that either the Czech Republic or Denmark are going to be in the semifinal. And I think that's amazing. Those are two underdog stories that weren't expected to be there. Um, I think Denmark's uh, supporting cast is really good. I think they have a lot of important pieces in that team. Um, but the difference between Denmark and, um, and the Czechs is because Denmark has an incredibly – well put together squad, but doesn't necessarily have a superstar performance. And I don't think either one of these teams need it. Um, but I think for the Czechs, Patrick Schick, it may not be a quote unquote a superstar, but in this tournament, he has been. And the, the beauty with the way the Czechs play football is they know their identity and they stick with it. And they know that Patrick Schick's their guy up top. He's the guy that's going to bring it for them. But they don't put so much pressure on him. Like, they don't look at him as like an Mbappe or Ronaldo, how he, the, he needs to be the one to, to sort of put it together. Ultimately, I think Patrick Schick will be the one to, to answer the bell for the Czechs. But they don't need him to be Superman. He is their star. And even though the supporting cast of Denmark is probably a little better, I think the way the Czechs play together with, you know, the, you know the, the midfield that's really compact. They have tough defenders. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of toughness with this Czech team. And I think they're just going to continue to drive it upwards. So if, if you're asking me, I think the Czechs have a slight advantage just because they're going to have to answer for Patrick Schick. And I think the problem for Denmark is going to be, because th- you bring up, you, you know, Denmark wants to have the, the ball a lot. Um, and that's, that's hundred percent from Denmark's point of view. That's, that's the way they've attacked most of these games. The problem is the Czechs want Denmark to have the ball because the way they've won their games and the way they've played their really good performances is when the other team had most possession, they know how to handle that sort of attention in the box and they know how to turn on it. Because if you look at a lot of goals they scored, it, it kind of transitions from going to the back line all the way and then counterattacking play, um, in, you know, crosses in the box, things like that. And uh, Patrick Schick is, is a large guy. So they're going to try to service him in the box. And they have a great holding midfielder with um, Thomas Tusek uh, from – I know I butchered your name, man. I'm sorry. Uh, from from um, From West Ham. And I think they have a lot of good players – and I think the way they play as a team together with someone who can go and get a goal for them is why I slightly favor the Czechs. Because I think, I think the, net, the, the, the Danes have a lot of good players who can score goals, but they don't necessarily have a player that says that, that you can go into a game in a crucial moment and say, go and get a goal for us. Where I think the Czech Republic have that with Patrick Schick, where I'm not as sold on it with Poulsen and Dolberg. I think those are both great players. But individually speaking, I don't think that as a, as a, you know, in that moment that they have a player that can just go and get something for them where I think the, the checks have a slight advantage there.
0: Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, now we ha- are getting ready to set up matches on the
1: uh- right, score, score prediction for, um, uh, for, for this game then real quick.
0: What, what do you, what do you have? I think it's going to be a close game, but Denmark win 2-1. I'm going to go the same.
1: I love the Denmark story, and I think if they get past the Czechs, I think they'll win the Euros. But I think the Czechs just have a little bit too much for them. I'm going to say it's going to be 1-1 going into extra time. And in the in the 19th, I'm just gonna make this dramatic as hell. In the 119th minute, five seconds away from a penalty shootout, Patrick Truex scores the winner and and becomes a folk hero for for the Czech Republic. So I'm gonna go two one Czech in extra time.
0: Okay, so now for the other side of the bracket, we had Italy winning two one against Austria.
1: Yeah, you go first because there's a, a particular point on Italy that I'm gonna probably take. Like five minutes, just talking about it. Um, so, so you you give first crack, and then I'll 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 like go off of you.
0: Okay. Um, Italy in this match. I mean, I'm not fully sold that they're gonna win the Euros as much as everybody is like hyping them up. And that is one thing that aggravates me is people hyping up their team. Like, don't get me wrong, I'm all for it, but there's a point where it gets ridiculous. And yeah. I, yeah, the, hyping up, the hyping up is one thing. The parades bother me more than anything else, to be honest. <laughs> but yeah, Italy kind of showed some vulnerability in this match against Austria. Um, Austria did a great job attacking wise, and were able to get a goal. Um, I think they were the first to score. I could be wrong. In second,
1: they had a goal called back um, um, in, the, in the first in the first half. Austria had scored, but they called it sides. That's like a 50-50 for me. I'm not sure it was. Um, but then it was all obviously taken off, and it was they just continued after that.
0: Yeah, so in general, I mean, this match went to extra time. So, I mean, it showed that Italy had some weaknesses in this thing, like defensively. They allowed uh, Austria to get way too many opportunities, and on the attack, they just has you just as you said in one of our um in our chat, they could they did couldn't eat their dinner, <laughs> they couldn't finish their dinner. Yeah, they couldn't finish their dinner. So I mean, it just shows that there is weaknesses in this team. And some of the substitutions late for Italy kind of were suspicious when they should have been made sooner to give them more of a fresh leg and give them more of a push. So this match ended up going into extra time where obviously Italy won 2-1. But, I mean, this could have easily been finished in uh, regulation if Italy were able to work more cohesively. But Austria showed that they also had some really good strong points throughout this um tournament. Yeah. How great was that goal at the end by Austria? That, that goal was, was
1: egregious. <laughs> <laughs> they had five guys. Like I watched the replay and as he as he made the run, there were four Italians that went with him. He had about an inch of space and still found a way to beat Donovan Room, but I thought it was I thought it was Marvel's goal, by the way.
0: Yeah, but it was a really great goal. But yeah, I mean Italy. I'm not buying the hype. I just am not. I, it's it's too much. If they were to beat Belgium, would you then? Would you buy it then? If they beat Belgium, hype obviously hypothetical. Then yes, then I would definitely buy it. But right now, it's just on how. Kind of poorly, they performed it in this match against Austria. I'm, I'm not buying it.
1: Okay, that's fair. Um, before I get into my my big issue with this, um, with, with Italy, they, it was a bad game because they couldn't finish. Again, they had so many chances to close this deal and couldn't close this deal. Their attacking was bad. The midfield, I thought, the midfield always plays well. I, I'm just not sure you can – it sucks because it breaks my heart but you cannot play Jorvinho and um, Veratti together because they're too similar. Um, so, you know, I think that, that when Locatelli came on, they were more effective in that area um, and, and even your guy Barella. But the reason I, ha- I have reservations about starting him is what if in a Belgium game, um, I don't know, something happens where uh, one of the midfielders does something or uh, Lukaku, you know, um, irritates him because obviously they know each other. And he just says the wrong thing gets, gets himself in trouble. That's what I'm worried about with Barella. But I think as far as the midfield, I think you have to kind of start one of them with Barella or Locatelli because Verratti and Gervinho are too similar. They don't have enough space when they're right next to each other, which sucks because those are the, those are the two best players on the Italian team. But of course um, nobody actually thinks that because they don't play in Italy but because they play PSG and Chelsea, they, they never get that attention that they're like – those are the two best players in Italy. Um, I thought when Italy finally woke up in the game and got that chance with, um, with obviously Chiesa scoring 40 years uh, after his father did uh, in the Euros uh, many years ago. And then you have uh, Pisa- Pisania who who's actually turned out to be – he thought – he was expected to be like a fringe player, but he's actually turned out to be really good. He scored in the Wales game. He scored in this game. He's come up uh, very big in, in the last couple uh, games in the minutes that he has had. Um, and, you know, but to a certain extent, Italy did get a bit lucky with how things happened. If that goal isn't called off sides, maybe it changes the, the story. Um, but my real issue... Actually, so I have an issue on, on two accounts. So I'm going to start with the Italian point first. I don't know what your Guy Bastoni did to Mancini. I don't know if he... Mancini was, was like conducting a meeting and Bastone hit his pencils off the table or something but I, I, like I, I'm, not, I'm not I'm not I'm not suggesting that something like that happened but it's such an idiotic thing that it he, he there's just there's just one of these things right look I think Bonucci and, and Chiellini I think all of us are comfortable with that pairing in every in every game you know and I think for the most part in every game in this game, I think that's the wrong pairing, um, and, and the fact that that manchini did not um, wasn't able to identify the biggest mismatch he was gonna have, it, it, it's, just, it's just wrong here. So um, you know the guy who scored the Austria goal? Yep. Um, Sasha Sasha Kalaninich, I don't know. I probably um, I probably murdered his name. Um, he is six foot seven. That means it is very difficult to control him in the air. Right, and I, and I think everybody knew that going in. When you got a guy of that size coming in those areas, it's going to be difficult. Even more so, he plays for Stuttgart in the Bundesliga. He's an animal. A lot of a lot of teams in Italy are actually really interested in him. Um, he doesn't need very much space between the, him and the defender to to find enough, just enough in there to strike from from outside the, the box or do something special. Um, he is extremely difficult to control in both of those facets we love bonucci and chiellini they're old and slow okay and that's just it and uh, serbi had a great game he was the man of the match for italy potentially other than spinazzola who's been an absolute beast um, for you know for italy this whole tournament and dude just chill out a little bit i don't want fucking real madrid coming up uh, and psg and all these awesome teams Starting to, to to think, oh, we we should buy him and let's let's give Roma seventy million. I would rather, you know. So just chill. Let us just stay under the radar. I don't want people to know the, how good you are. Um, but the biggest issue here is Kalesa, nah, the guy from Strugard. The the one player that could have stopped him from the situation is Bastoni. Because Bastoni's quick, he's agile, he's athletic and he can close down space as you know with Inter and, and how he's done against a lot of the big players that come to the San Siro to try to mess about right So mm-hmm. you look at part of it. So this, this big guy from uh, from Austria, the Austrian tank, he came into the game in the 97th minute and it's like so my thing is Austria, what are you doing? He's six foot seven. they're playing two slow centerbacks. Play him from the beginning. Uh, but the, the, the thing about that is, if he had started from the very beginning, he may have scored goals. He may have knocked Italy out. Mancini got so lucky. And when he entered the game, Bastoni was not, like, if it was me, if the second he enters – so if you don't start him, that's fine because he wasn't playing yet. But when he enters the game, that's when you make that decision and say, okay, we need to get Bastoni out there because you you saw how many guys were around him when he scored that goal. There were, like, yep. four main dudes. And how much space was there? Not very much. And it didn't fucking matter. It did not matter. So I think, in a sense, Mancini, I've lost faith because he couldn't make the most obvious tactical decision that there is. Now, you, in, in bigger games, you're going to have to find a little, little decision, tactical switches that no one sees coming. And I don't have faith that he can do that because he didn't see the obvious one <laughs> see coming, but Obviously, Italy basically escaped death in this one, but the, I, I, I'm just really concerned now because Bastoni was the perfect mismatch for him, and he comes on and scores um, late and didn't matter. But but it's just it just because there's a certain level of concern now because of because of his inability to see that because Bastoni and I don't into you know Inter can go to rat shit, but he was the absolute perfect player to bring on when you see the six foot seven monster coming on, if, if, you know, if, if that is, if, if Sasha, I'm just going to call him Sasha. If Sasha gets power, more power in his leg, he's going to be un. it's going to be untraceable. You can't, it'll be really difficult to try to defend him. And Bastoni was the perfect guy to match up. And, and even though they won the game, good for Italy, I'm glad they won, but they literally could have, that could have lost them. Um, that could have led to elimination. And that's what scares me about this Italy team going forward.
0: Yeah, I was sitting there when the lineups were coming out. I'm like, where the hell is Bastoni? Like, what are you doing, Mancini?" And I I'm
1: like... It. I get it initially because he the, the big the monster from Austria wasn't in the lineup. But when he enters, it's like, okay, Bastoni, get in there. <laughs> That's my thing. Because if he's not there, then you don't have a big problem. But the, the second he enters the game, you have to make that choice. You have to make that, that switch. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. But
0: overall, I mean, like I said when just based on the performance of Italy throughout the whole match, I was like, looking. I'm like, yeah, I'm not buying it yet. And if they beat, if they beat Belgium, then that's a different story. But just based on what I've seen, I'm like, Nope.
1: Yeah. It was good in a sense a little bit because they won an ugly game and that's important. And that was probably the best for them, but it was not an encouraging performance. And I don't, you, you qualify, but I, I don't think we should go over the top and start uh, celebrating as if we won the Euros for the – how many times have we won the Euros since the, the tournament started? So that's – see, the three wins in the group, and then uh, – so this is the fourth Euro championship that they have won before the, the tournament has, has ended. I just, I just find – I have so many issues with celebrating something. Like, this isn't Macedonia. We're not fucking Macedonia. We're, we're Italy. We want to win the trophy at the end. We're not celebrating just because we won a game. And I think we need to, w- the, I'm glad the team has the right mentality because the fans definitely don't. And I love the fans and I love the passion, but we should not be celebrating as if we won the tournament after winning one game. You know what I mean? So it's, we just need to chill a little bit.
0: Now, and speaking of Belgium, they won 1-0 against Portugal.
1: Yeah, that was the worst game I've seen in a long time. It was fucking dog shit. I... It was hard. It was. It was such a. Uh, it was a horrible game, um, but uh, I guess we can talk about it.
0: <laughs> uh, so, Literally, like, it was so bad that after Belgium got the goal, and I knew that they were based on the defense of Belgium that it was going to hold up. I'm like I took a nap. <laughs> I
1: mean, this is. I was like, this is over. Um, so it was a hor- It was like it was so funny. This was supposed to be the the great game. This was supposed to be the 4-3 victory for Belgium or Portugal. But it wasn't. It was just Belgium. Belgium getting that great strike. Um, Hazard's uh, a little brother getting that another really good goal. He's been really good for them. Um, flying under the radar a little bit. Um, and, you know, and then that was it. And that's all they needed. Um, KDB getting injured is scary for Belgium, especially going in against an Italy team that has potential to, to do something. Um, so I think for... for you know, for that, it's it's just different. But you know, it, it's another one. It's one of those ugly games that Belgium won, and they should feel good about it. And this is the thing with with Belgium, they need to. They this is their last chance to win with um with port with sorry with this team because they're getting old. If the golden generation want to get anything, it's it's this. It's right here, right now. Because in the World Cup, they're not going to be one of those teams who they may go do a, well in the World Cup but they're not going to be one of the favorites because they're squeezing every inch of what they have left from, from this uh, team that was supposed to win long ago. Um, So it's good that they got through Portugal went out um, and so on and so forth. But you know, this was a terrible game. I'm not even going to pretend they wasn't.
0: Yeah. Like I just said, like after Belgium pretty much secured the win in the first half, I'm like, this game is boring. I'm going to go take a nap. And of course, I was up early yesterday anyway. So I'm like, it was, it, it was what it was. Portugal go out, Belgium do what was needed, got that goal needed, and they move on. So there's really not a lot to take away from this one. Well,
1: before, hold on, before you, before you start moving on. So there are, there are two things we need to discuss here. Um, so, um, you were, you messaged me a couple a uh, week ago, talking about how right we were about Hakimi, as if we just won the lottery, <laughs> which is like the most obvious football take of all time. But nonetheless, this one, we were bang on. It's not the fact that we had Portugal getting knocked out. It's why they lost. And the reason they lost is what we've always said. They have to play as a team. They have to play together. They can't just focus. <laughs> They can't just focus on Ronaldo, and it's not Ronaldo's fault. He did score a whole bunch of goals, three of them penalties, but none to say. He had, he had moments in this in this tournament. The goal against Hungary was fantastic, but he wasn't really special either. Uh, this Portugal team wasn't special, and they should have been. They're so deep from top to bottom. Then you have Jao Felix, who played 35 minutes. He did not play well uh, in the Belgium game, but you know what? He hadn't played the whole tournament. What were you expecting him to do? Come, come off the bench, score a hat-trick? Andre Silva was as a substitute who had a better season than Ronaldo. They just they – just, they did this so wrong, and they should have won the Euros, but they didn't because of the exact reason we were all afraid of. We all picked them when we did our first draft of predicting this tournament, and all of us uh, – Ryan, myself, you, James, all of us abandoned Portugal the second the tournament kicked off because we were afraid that they were going to play like the, the way they did.
0: Yeah, I was telling people in a group chat like yesterday before I went and passed out, obviously. But we were, they were saying, they were saying, "Oh, come on, Portugal!" I'm like, guys, it's not gonna work. They're not playing as a cohesive team. They're focusing on Ronaldo, which is the main problem. And until they, if they had decided to go with the approach of working together as a team, it was just gonna be a disaster from the get go. And so we were proven right. And they're like, Oh yeah, you're right. That's true. I'm like, <laughs> we, it's like, we hit this bang on the head.
1: They were terrible against Hungary. They are horrible against, um, um, Germany. And they had, a and against France. They were very good. They were very good against France. Um, but I mean, it's not, I mean, it was just, it was just a whole mess. Silva should have gotten way more minutes. Um, and I, Jota played well this this um, in the in the tournament, but not 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 yesterday. Uh, there's a lot of other things that contributed to all that, and then you come into the situation and Jao Felix not getting that many minutes after having a great season. And then and I, I don't want to I don't make this a big rant thing, but Roy Keane just needs to shut his trap, um, saying that that Jao Felix is an imposter because he saw him for 35 minutes. Listen, man. I know what you do for a living. I know that you work with the Premier League, and and that's the league you're really talking about. You did. You do not watch La Liga. So how are you gonna call someone an imposter that you've seen for 35 minutes? It, it's just ridiculous, and I think, I think it's just it's just dumb. Uh, Felix should have gotten more more minutes. He's a great player in a defensive system, and despite not having 30 goals. You can't judge him by goals the way you do Holland and Mbappe. Different kind of player, Um, and he was phenomenal in the in the uh, in La Liga, helped them win a title. So I, I think that is blown out of proportion. But Portugal just were a disaster from pretty much the first game against Hungary.
0: Yeah, agreed. So now that we already have that part, this matchup set up: Belgium versus Italy.
1: Yeah, I think go ahead, you go first.
0: I'll take the side of Belgium. Oh man. All right, go ahead. I actually had that plan because I don't know how much about you don't like Italy right now. I mean, CD. So <laughs> I I I mean in this match it'll come down to if uh, Belgium can convert the chances that are given to them. Uh, also you're gonna have to continue to work has a cohesive unit. They have to continue to work as a cohesive unit going forward. Um, if they have any hopes of doing this, obviously it will depend on who they start in the midfield. Because it, like I said, Luke, as you said, Lukaku and Barella know each other, so Lukaku will know what to say to get Barella wound up, and which could cause him to like slip up. Right. So
1: I, I actually on. I, just one thing real quick on that. I actually think Lukaku. Isn't going to be the one to do it, but he'll tell one of his teammates to do it to get under his skin, because Lukaku just doesn't seem the type of guy who's going to say something nasty to a teammate at at a Euros. I think he'll tell, "Hey, look, I know, I know you got a, I know you're you you got a little hot streak, and so does garella Go mess with that. See what happens." <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah, that would actually be, that would be something Lukaku would do. I could totally see that happening right now. But yeah, I mean, since Lukaku knows. About how Bastoni and Barella play along with a bunch of other players on Italy, just based on obviously being in Syria, and a bunch of those players are also on Syria, like Immobile, Insigne, etc. Um, it'll be just exploiting those factors that he's seen throughout the season. Um but if they're able to, he's able to exploit those weaknesses from those players. Belgium should have no issues going forward. All right. So uh,
1: a full disclosure:
0: I'm I'm totally out on Mancini, and I do
1: think Belgium are going to win this game. But there is there is a pathway for Italy to to knock them out, and it's it's not it's not necessarily a complicated one. I just don't believe in Mancini's adjustments. So let's let's throw Mancini out of the equation for a second. Let's just look at these teams as itself. Um, the fact of the matter is KDB may be back for the, for the, for the quarterfinal. He's not going to be at 100%, and he's, he's kind of the, the kingpin of that Belgian midfield, and and he's, he's been so important to this tournament um, and, and so on and so forth. And so without him, Italy does have an advantage to sort of kind of mess with what's happening here. You look at the back line. You're going to have Benucci and Chiellini. Um, Mbappe, I uh, said not. Lukaku did score against Juve this year. Um, I think once, um, but there was a game. There was a game early this year where where he was totally uh, manipulated by those two, and previous year he was malip- manip- manip- manipulated by those two again. So you look at all of this. They know. Look, so you're saying Lukaku knows these guys, so they should have. He should have a chance to sort of go in and take advantage of that. But equally, those guys know Lukaku as well, and they they see him twice a year. They know what. And dealing with Lukaku has nothing to do. You can't really agitate him very easily. He's going to play his game. But they can collectively, as a unit, deal with Lukaku. Um, Again, you heard me banging on about Bastoni not starting. He should not start this game because his skill set is not accustomed to dealing with someone like Lukaku. It has to be the... The old and slow. You can say what you want. Nucci and Chiellini will have a plan for Lukaku. They'll try to make him uncomfortable. If you make Lukaku uncomfortable, it will be easier for them to sort of dictate what goes on. And then with the midfield, whether it's whether whether it's Barella, whether it's Laccatelli, whether it's Georgino Verazzi, whatever mix they'll have is going to be it's going to be it's going to be superb because their midfield options are ridiculous. And if, if Italy can just convert on target shots in this game. I think there's a way for them to go and go and win this. Um, but so I think there's there's a strong argument for Italy. I'm not asking. I'm not acting like uh, Italy don't have a chance. I think they have a strong chance. But it, uh, there there's certain things that need to sort of occur for both sides for this to. And it's it's actually really impossible to kind of predict who's gonna win what. Um, but it is uh, Italy has ways that that they could take advantage of Belgium.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree. So, like, what's your score prediction going into this one?
1: I'm going to say it's going to be a 2-1 game. Um, And at the moment, I'm going to say Belgium. Because I'm still going to pick Belgium. But I think it's going to be a 2-1 game. But there's, it could really go either way.
0: Yeah, I kind of am in that boat as well. It could go either way, but I do have also Belgium winning as well. But if if KDB
1: plays is is isn't full fitness, then I, I think it's an easier it's an easier game. So if KDB is able to be healthy in the midfield, um, and he's his injury is not bad, then I think Belgium could win this like two 0 three one, something like that. But but with him out, it makes this game much more interesting.
0: Agreed. So. Now we are going into the matches that occurred today. We had Spain winning five three against Croatia in extra time.
1: I mean, this game was incredible. This was like, like the, the the two games today were were just insane. Like it's almost to the point that if your favorite sport isn't football, I kind of feel bad for you. Me too. Your sport isn't even, your sport isn't even in the same stratosphere as ours. And I'm not trying to to to, to you know. Make people upset, and I like other sports too. But, but just based on the two games that we saw today, I'm sorry you can't tell me that that football is not the greatest sport in the world. And there's numbers and data to back up everything I just said there. Um, this was crazy because, because um, Spain Spain really played like t- they 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 played as perfect as one can play in that in that 90 minutes against Croatia, um, and. And they started it so badly. The back pass um, to, the, to the goalkeeper missed times, and it just goes back at his own net. And it's such a horrible way to start. But then Spain comes back, hits a few times. Kogovic comes close for, for Croatia, and then Spain get into the situation. Really great goal, and then boom, they're back in it. And they continue to power through and, and, and you know, sort of merge into the game. And they are just dominating Croatia. They score once, they score another, it's 3-1. And then here comes, the, here comes Luka Modric in Croatia. They come in, you know, uh, and then with, with, I think it was like 10 minutes to go, they score one. And then in stoppage time, they score another beautiful goal from Pasilich, a great cross from the outside, and boom, it's in there. It's 3-3, and then goes an extra time. Both teams have chances, but then Spain kind of pulls away. With uh, Morata, who I'm, I'm so happy scored a goal after how horrible he, uh, he had a time against Sweden, the death threats and stuff like that. He got, he's just been in a bad way, and for him to get the potential winning goal of a game like that is is beautiful. And then obviously they got another one, and and they could have had a sixth one, but I was I was so happy they didn't get a sixth one because I thought that would be too humiliating, and I don't want Luka Modric's uh, last potentially last Euros, actually definitely last Euros. To, to be looked at as um, this as negative, at, at least in, as a humiliating way. Um, but it was it was an outstanding match of football. Spain dominated, but Croatia converted their chances when they had them, and uh, it's just beautiful.
0: I mean, that match was absolutely insane. Like obviously, as you just stated, Spain were terrible in the beginning, especially the with that opening goal of Croatia. But then eventually, um, Spain would get back into it. Then, of course, it was like a tennis match. You then Croatia gets back into it and ends the match three three, and then it goes into the extra time, and Spain convert two of those chances in extra time to seal the deal. But this match was very fun to, and intriguing to watch. Um, I mean, it's I'm glad, like you said, I'm glad it didn't end. Like six three because it like you said it would have been embarrassing for Modric. Who,
1: I, do th- I do. I do think he'll play in the World Cup, but I think this is definitely his last year also.
0: Yeah, I kind of get that vibe too because just based on the age and everything. Um, but overall, this was a great match from start to finish. And then, and then up next today, we also had France losing. Against Switzerland, obviously it went into extra time and then it went into the penalty shootout where Switzerland won five four. Yeah, um, I I mean, I
1: mean this is this is <laughs> I, I don't understand. I I thought, like, it's so funny because I thought they had a chance. You thought they had zero chance. Um, uh, like, well, we all- Daniel, <laughs> yeah, that and then. And then I turn it on. Oh, Switzerland uh, lead in the 15th minute. <laughs> no chance, eh? Uh, yeah. Anyway, so so um, I don't know. It was it was so interesting because each of the teams had their moments in this game, um, and it's it's hard to believe that it ended the way it did because there was just you know obviously they come into the game. Uh, Switzerland score right away. They they're kind of pushing. France did a really good job in that first half, but couldn't couldn't find that space in front of goal and things like that. And, and you know, it's, it's a one nil game going into second half. And then, and then all the madness happens. Switzerland going to have a penalty and it's, it's about to be over. And then they miss the, the penalty saved by Hugo Lloris. And then on the other end, almost like immediately after Benzema scores an absolutely outrageous goal, a phenomenal first touch, plays it right into his foot and, you know, bam. And then it's like, all of a sudden we got a game. And then, you know, Less than a minute later, Benzema comes in again and scores again uh, with a great header at the far post. And now now France are up 2-0. And they are absolutely shellacking Switzerland. Switzerland, for that stretch, were were not even on the same level as France. And France just exploded with with everything that was going on around them. And then Pogba, my God, with a great goal. Uh, Coleman with with the sliding pass to Pogba. And Pogba just hits it from a, from a strike from the gods uh, and just was phenomenal in, in doing that. And then Switzerland start coming back. They get a goal back. Um, and then at the very end, uh, they score another one and, and, and it's taken away. And then they score another one that actually counts. And, and it's three, three. And my jaw dropped so many different times throughout this match. It was insane. Then they go into the extra time and, um, Look, people are going to gang up on Mbappe for missing the penalty, um, but for me, the way he, the, the chance he had in extra time, I thought it was over when Mbappe had that the 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 ball that went through where he where he shot and then he hit hits the side of the net and then kind of went out of bounds. He should have curled that into the into the corner instead. And and he has not had a great tournament. Um, and you know it's only going to fuel fire to the debate between Holland and Mbappe and all that stuff. Um, and then it goes into penalties, and it just happens again and again and again, and and it's such a tr- it's such a really difficult situation to be in, um, and everyone's hitting every the penalty until the last kick, and then Bappe comes up, and unfortunately he's the one that that and again it was a I, I thought it was a well taken penalty, Sommer just got to it, and and that's what it came down to, um, and in Switzerland against the odds. Uh, make the quarterfinals—the first time they made it out to the round of 16 since like 1934. Um, just an amazing game, and uh, and the, the the favorites and the world champions are out, and it's 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 just hard to uh, even imagine that this happened.
0: Yeah, uh, obviously, being a Switzerland fan, I there was times where I almost was about to flatline because of how intense this match got. <laughs> I'm like sitting there, like okay, okay. So there's a chance 15 minutes in, and then France just does what they do best and scored goals, especially those two goals that came from Benzema. And I'm like, okay, there we go. Now it's back to reality. And then the Switzerland's like, no, here, hold our beer. And then they score two goals of their own. And then it goes to extra time, and there was multiple great opportunities taken, especially the one that hit the woodwork at the end. Oh almost. my God, I
1: forgot about that. The Coleman strike. Oh, <laughs> it like, I couldn't believe it. That, I it, was if, like, if you, if you look at that, that is that would have been <laughs> such a sick winning goal that it's I almost feel I feel so bad. I mean, I mean, we know Coleman, he wins. He's his entire career. He's won. He's won a league title in his whole career. He's never got second place. So he's, he's a very lucky guy who's played for the best teams in the world. Um, but, man, that strike, heading for, the, for that top corner, uh, Summers couldn't do anything about it. All he could do was watch that ball, and it hit the post. I, it's just, it was an incredible a moment. And I, there's a lot of pinpoints of this game. Going into that situation, it's just it's devastating, but also it, it was a lifeline for Switzerland that they took, took advantage of eventually.
0: Yeah, I was like, oh, my gosh, that could have been it. And then it goes into my favorite thing, the penalty shootout. And I was sitting there also because I, I love the adrenaline and the anxiety that it kind of brings a little bit. So I am sitting there like, come on, guys, come on. And then eventually, I'm like, come on, Summers, come on. Save at least one of these things. And then I was like, okay, Mbappe, mm, let's see how this goes. And then he stops his penalty. And I'm like, so like, yes! And there's was a couple times during this match where I actually screamed out. A lot of my dad's like, what the hell's going on? Quiet down over there. I'm like, no. <laughs> but It was just a great match from start to finish. All right, so... <laughs>
1: So let's, let's let's break this down. The Mbappe thing, right? He didn't have a great tournament. A um, couple chances in this game, he should, probably should have scored. Misses the penalty. Um, I kind of feel bad for him in a way, but how how I don't know how to put this. How much how much should should, should people be coming down on him after this tournament? Does it do you think it, it adds any sort of legitimate? Legitimacy to conversation with with Holland or, uh, or I mean Holland wasn't at the Euros, but you kind of get what I'm saying.
0: I think it kind of adds a little bit to the debate, just based on like him not have because we like you just stated earlier when we were starting this conversation of this match that he has not had a great tournament, and I mean this is kind of proving that point. I mean, yes, it was one of those like free things where Somers was able to save it, but overall he just hadn't hasn't been performing like we are used to seeing him perform. And so this is where I think it kind of goes into Erling Holland's favor, who continu- performs at a more consistent level throughout. So that's just like my take on this whole situation with Mbappe Holland. But then you look at it at
1: the other side of coin. If, ha- if if Erling Holland's so great, how come he didn't make the tournament? You know what I mean? So there's a lot of there's a lot of there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, layers to this on both sides of this because um, it's it's like who's the most complete who's more complete is it Holland or it's Mbappe? It's Mbappe, obviously. Who's the who's the more dangerous goal scorer? It's obviously Holland. Who delivers more better on the on the national stage? Um, it's Holland. Who who has that sort of mentality and and can can change a game in an instant it's Mbappe so it, it's like it's like going back and forth between different categories and it's it's difficult and I do feel bad for him because he scored in the Germany game and it didn't count and uh you know he's still a young kid he's got a world cup already um and was he thought we were gonna add a euro to it um but uh I, I think we should criticize him, and this should not go – this should – if you're, if you're going to break Mbappe down, this needs to be a part of that story. Um, and unfortunately, it adds to what happened in the Champions League final against Bayern, but, you know, the Barcelona performance kind of exiled that. Um, but it's, it's going to come to a point where we need to – we need to take it to, into account, but we shouldn't destroy him for that because, you know <laughs> – it's, 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 you know, they say it's messy all the time. He's, he's only one guy. And you have to look at the L11. And the L11 are historically great. This is one of the best teams. This is probably still the best team in the world. They're still the world champions. Um, but he's not the only one who came up short. There were others as well and, and other circumstances that led to it. Um, but it was, it, it's a very difficult moment. You see Mbappe and the way he, um, his, the reaction to that. Um, I feel for him. I really do. And I like Mbappe a lot. I think he's absolutely tremendous, one of the best players in the world. Um, and probably right now he's better than Holland as a player. But I mean, it's it's just it's just it's it's a very difficult thing to take. And I hope we see a resounding performance from him going forward. Um, just to see, you know, I hope I hope he can rebound from this because we want to see our best players being able to perform at this level. But uh,
0: uh, tomorrow we have some good matches going on, so. We have, have, we have. We need to predict this one first: Spain and and uh, and Switzerland. I think I, Spain wins it 2-0. Oh, that hurt. <laughs> no, I
1: think Spain wins it. Um, Switzerland uh, do have the greatest player ever in Granite Jack are coming to Roma. So <laughs> I'm just kidding. Don't don't quote me on that one. Um, I think it's a I think it's a close game though. I think it's going to be tough. Um, but I I think Spain, frankly, just have the better players. So I think. I think uh, uh, Spain will win, but getting to the quarterfinals is a a huge achievement for Switzerland.
0: Agreed. Uh, So tomorrow we have uh, the final matches of the round of the 16 in England versus Germany.
1: This is the one. I think this is a difficult one. I think that – I won't say England have no chance because, of course, they have a chance. I think they're they're a better team than the way they played, which is why I I am – Kind of against picking them at this at this stage. I, I won't say I'll give them no chance. I, I give them a very small chance. Um, Patrick Schick has um, in the group scored three goals. England scored two. I mean that's part of it. You know they haven't been scoring. Uh, Harry Kane's not looked same. Uh, Raheem Sterling's looked good, but mo- the the majority of everything have have looked uh, average at best. Um, Phil Folden had that one chance where he hit the bar, and that was it. Then it was game over. So, so they did. They did go unbeaten. They haven't conceded yet, um, and all that and stuff like that. But uh, I just haven't seen love have seen from him. And um, the biggest issue I have with England is is Jaden Sancho, hundred and fourteen goal contributions um, from the, the last three seasons, and then the, a goal the previous year where he played only ten games. He is hundred and fourteen goal involvements in 3 years. He's played a total of 6 minutes in the entire tournament when he is the best player other than Harry Kane or maybe with Harry Kane, whatever you want to say. Um and I think it's going to be really difficult for them. If he plays, England have England have a damn chance if he starts. Can't bring him on at 78th minute. If he starts in the beginning, he knows these guys. He plays against these guys, and and I th- I just think it's shameful that he hasn't gone onto the field when he's one of the best players in the world and all that, a world class player, all that stuff. Um, going forward, I think it's going to be tough though from both both sides. Uh, Germany ha- didn't look very impressive during the group. Almost lost to Hungary, uh, beat up Portugal, and then um, lost a close one to France. And um, the thing the, the thing for me is, and this is going to be the, the constant. There are players in this team that 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 the German team that their are question marks are around the attack mostly um, with you know with uh, Werner if he plays and, and Haberts and even though he's had moments and, and there's a lot of good components of this team but uh, so there there is there is reasons to believe both of these teams can win um, tomorrow but th- again what is the wild card Joshua Kimmich one of them has Joshua Kimmich and one of them doesn't. And then an other, also you have Goretzka sitting right next to him, playing a big role in this team. And and the fact is, it's close. Germany is the better team. They have the better players. So therefore, I think they're going to win this game. But it's it's easier said than done because as much as England are what they are, they have great players in that team. And and if they can turn it on, it could be it could be something really special. The head-to-head matches between the two go very. Significantly into Germany's favor and that rivalry that they have, but you never know. But I, I do feel like the Germans will take care of business.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, I mean, it depends, as you say, if uh, Jaden Sancho gets that opportunity to play for England. Because, um, as you said, he has what, 117 goals uh, within three years?
1: No, he has 114 goal involvement. So, not so goals and assists over the last. Three years plus the ten games he played four years ago.
0: Jeez, and there he's only played six minutes in this tournament. That's totally egregious. Yeah, he pl- especially. Go ahead. Pl- especially with the way he is able, he's been able to score goals and also provide assists to his teammates, and so it'll like you said, it, there's just like. a come pretty much comes down to who's gonna be playing in this match and it, like who's gonna really want this win more I mean obviously the advantage goes to Germany in way of like the head-to-head but England cannot be counted out it, like you said there' are certain players who are able to get that momentum and that fire later under their butt it, they could do something insane so this match could go either way so I'm just gonna Go with the score prediction of Germany win this woman on slim margins, but it's going to be 2-1 for win for Germany.
1: <laughs> I'm going to go even less. I'm going to go 1-0, and I'm going to say um, Thomas Muller will be the recipient. Joshua Kimmich will provide the assist. Um, and I think they're going to score this game in the first 25 minutes. And – and then we'll, we'll, we'll see from there. But, but I think it's going to be very close. I do think Germany are going to win, but I think England have a chance. Um, but I, I would start Sanchez from the start. But we know, um, in the great words of the, uh, of the, of the philosopher Ryan Berry, um, um, Gareth uh, uh, Southgate is a fool. Um, so we'll see what happens there. But I do think Germany squeeze it out and make the quarterfinal.
0: And then the final match in the round of 16, we have Sweden taking on the Ukraine. I love
1: the fact that this is a matchup that one of these two teams are going to make the quarterfinal. I think that's absolutely amazing because if you think of the teams that were, that are going to be in the quarterfinals, you have Switzerland, you have, uh, Denmark, you have the Czech Republic, and now you're going to have either the Ukraine or Sweden. I think it's awesome. Um, it's a hard one. Uh, obviously, Sweden have the, our 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 pal from Alanta, Malinowski, really good player, for, been great for them this tournament, um, and we, we there's they just got a good team. Um, but I think Sweden are just a tad better with, you know, Robin Olsen it was horrible with Roma, but whenever he puts on the Sweden jersey, he just becomes Manuel Neuer. He's been phenomenal, and then obviously I'm a big fan of of Alexander Isak from uh, from Sociedad. Um, the brother can play, and and I I think he's he's a really special player that they have over there, and they have also Emil Forsberg as well from Leipzig. They have a good team, and they'll find ways to kind of dictate the game and and um and and win this. But I think this is as close as as it gets as far as matchup.
0: Just like you just said, this is absolutely beautiful seeing some of these teams make it into the quarterfinals. Um, I think just Sweden are just a little bit better um in a way of the way they play and as you said also was not that great for Roma but when it's like when they play on the international stage they just sometimes certain players who may not necessarily do well in the club but when they're on the international stage they just shine like a star in the n- night sky and prove that they're worthy of being on the team so I mean I just think Sweden are going to win this one, and I think the score will be one uh, zero. I'm gonna I'm gonna go for high, uh,
1: slightly high higher scoring. I'm gonna say it'll be one one extra time. Ezek on uh, to 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 score a winner extra time. I think Sweden win two one.
0: This has been another edition of the Capitals Pantheon. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you guys on the next one.